Comrades, today is the day. We must transform the church and make the new church. Cardinal Braze Diaviz, president of the Congregation for Institutes of Consecrated Life, says it. A certain way of praying, a way of dressing, must change. Praise be Jesus Christ now and forever. Let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. You are listening to Bellarmine Forum Podcast, Episode 15, and I'm your host, John B. Manos, President of the Bellarmine Forum. Well, one thing's clear. You really can't be too confused about what's going on today, can you? News this week that a parish on their Twitter feed put pictures of this out there. They anointed the school children's hands with oil to consecrate them on the way for the climate strike and to help climate change as a way to support Laudato Sea. Let's think about that for a minute. They won't anoint kids for anything else. Um, they do all these other things, but we're going to have a special school function to anoint these kids for care of the environment and the climate. I thought we were supposed to confirm them to go out and make disciples of all nations. Oh, wait, I'm thinking that's old, rigid thinking, right? And like that, I guess I need to get with the times. I need to get with uh, Cardinal Braz de Aviz, president of the Congregation of the Institutes of Consecrated Life. The transformation, a certain way of praying, a certain way of dressing must change. You, you get the sense that... uh the Bolsheviks are at the door, don't you? Now, I like what one comment from John Stone on Twitter, he said it best. He said, in the end, it's all coherent. Every revolution must make the new man and eliminate those that resist. Let's talk about that for a second. Pope's talking about schism out there. Phil Aller writes a thing. He says that if Pope says he's not afraid of schism, that means I'm afraid of him. If you go back several episodes, I already told you how this is working, and I hate it that I was right. Our Lady warned us at Akita that cardinal against cardinal, bishop against bishop, that the devil had entered the church. I wasn't really making this up on my own, but repeating what the natural conclusion of Our Lady's warning was. The devil has a seat at the table. And if you watch what's going on, if you watch certain prelates in our church, Father Hardin called them Judases. There's Judases always among the apostles. Just It's the error of this world is the way our Lord chooses to work with how the world is until the end of time. Some men make bad choices. Judas was one of them. And unfortunately there are many 
prelates today that are making bad choices and choosing bad company. I think we can all agree on that. We'll get to unite the clans in a minute. Let's talk for a minute about this transformation, this change. And I agree that the uh, uh, revolution, which is a word that the Cardinal uh, Davies used, the revolution underway is not something that you and I, us rigid Catholics, these are, like I said it in day 10 with the devil, these are, mm, how should we call it, negotiations with and accessions to the demands of the loud devil at the table. And he's in the middle of the church. And he gets upset at things. He wants the climate change fixed. We're all supposed to move into a 400-square-foot house, not have any kids, don't do anything, forget about the sacraments, don't use your straws anymore, live like you're in a fifth-world country with a dirt floor, and then you're living the Christian life. I'm sorry, that's just... That's a little too rigid for me. Want when my namesake John the Baptist lived in the desert, wore uh, oh, what do they say, camel hair, and ate locusts. He wasn't doing it for the environment. Let's just get this off the table real quick. Climate change is real. We're going to talk about Fatima and Akita today, and both of them warn: if men don't repent. If they don't pray, if they don't pray the rosary, they don't turn back to God. If they continue sinning, fire will fall from heaven. There's your climate change. And there is the behavior of man that's going to bring the climate change there. Isn't the role of our prelates, of our church, to warn men? Hey, and I can't find anywhere, uh, you know, I just don't see where our Lord was worried about straws plastic straws or anything like that but i can see where he was worried about sins that cry to heaven for vengeance do you need me to enumerate those we all know what i'm talking about and we all know about some of the attitudes of various prelates and faces in the church today we know about fraud lies deception all the cover-ups look at uh, the situation if you haven't heard it in the news There are allegations, and I'm going to be very careful with my words. I am a lawyer, but the news is reporting uh, a gentleman has come forward and alleged that as a seminarian, things he said in confession were being used to extort him. Do you get that? That is of hell, period. If true, if the allegations are true, and I have no reason not to believe the man, but let's keep things, you know, in a... Uh, in context i haven't investigated i don't know the truth but i have no reason not to believe this man at this point given the other things that have happened with the buffalo diocese there's a big problem there really really big dastardly evil problem but we're gonna have our hands anointed and we're gonna go out and tell people not to use straws you see the problem there god asks us to turn to him sin no more follow take up our cross and follow jesus christ our lord and savior 
wouldn't it be a little more interesting instead of cozying up to uh, pro-aborts? Oh, you didn't. You probably did read about that. John Paul II Institute, pro-abortionist. And this isn't the first time they've tried an attack on it. Do you remember? We'll get into this in a minute when we get into Fatima and Akita. I'm going to keep building up to the point here. Father Ratcliffe, the, he thought that there was a, a, a sexual nature to the, to the Eucharist. And it, this was, uh, you know, he was an open, or I'm not sure if he was openly homosexual, but he was promoting homosexuality through dastardly heretical teaching concerning the Eucharist. He was removed. He, I was, amazingly enough, I think he was censured. I'm not sure. Somebody could look that up. Uh, again, avoiding all those legal things. But he, he, he certainly had problems in, when it came to Eucharistic theology and ideas of homosexuality, which brings us to another problem. We all know who uh, Father James Martin, a pop, pop Jesuit, uh, the editor of America Magazines out there, uh, was bemoaning that a Catholic man, and get the words, his husband were not welcomed at a parish with their son. Now, just on the face of reason, we know none of that makes any sense, right? A man and his husband and their son, that that just doesn't work. Two men don't make a baby. It's just that easy. Well, he was complaining and bemoaning that uh, they weren't welcome at their parish. Well, I don't know. If somebody came up to me and said, here, meet my husband, and this is our son, I, I, I'd be like, what? It's probably, you know, especially if there were some blue hairs there. The blue hairs, you know, they, they know how nature works. They've seen the seasons enough in their life that they know that two men don't make a baby. James Martin, on the other hand, apparently thinks that these sorts of things, even though discussed by St. Paul, even though brought up in the Bible, apparently in some people's minds, God has changed his mind. Now, if you said anathema sit, that's the right, yeah, 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 yeah. You're rigid, we're together, we both think in terms of Council of Trent. It, it is anathema. But it's being done to keep that devil at the table in the church happy, isn't it? Who else would ask for such unreasonable distortions and deformations of truth? It's not coming from God. Our Lord's very clear. He's clear about a lot of things. Today, the parable of the of the dishonest service, servant of the dishonest servant was the was the gospel at church, and it, you know, our Lord says, you know, hey, you ought to be like that in your life, but with heaven. In other words, cheat your way into heaven. Find ways to ingratiate favor among the saints. Find ways to ingratiate favor with our Lord so that when the day of reckoning comes, you've got buddies. Our Lord doesn't sound like somebody that changes his mind. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Just like the problems we had with Amoris Letizia, uh, if I'm saying that name right, I think, you know, I've heard it said several ways, but you know the problem where they were saying, well, we should reexamine this and we should look at it again. They imply that God changes his mind for modern people and, and is lowering the standard or changing the standard. 
Now, when children are playing a game, and all you have to do is put a board game out and leave it go for a little while, and if the right age group's at the table, eventually one of them who's then losing is going to attempt to change the rules of the game. And every other child at the table is going to say, that's not fair. Why? Because to change the rules post facto changes everything. To change the rules, we know it's not right with certain things being said about Amoris Letitia. And one of the reasons we know it's not right is all of those people through the centuries up till now who reformed their lives, found a way to make their situation regular such that they could get back to communion, did so on the same set of rules. They did so in justice. A lot of them forewent issues and learned penance and learned to bend their life to the way it ought to be. They just come along and say, oh, you could do whatever, like James Martin is. Two men, husband and wife, just doesn't, God didn't change his mind. And it's pretty clear those things are still enumerated among those sins that cry out to heaven for vengeance. But the transformation, how the cardinal put it, a certain way of praying, a certain way of dressing must change. In other words, you have to give those things up. We all have to sit at the table with this devil, and he's very angry, and he gets mad, and he gets jumps up and down when we talk about the things that God wants. But he's in front of us, this devil, in the church, and he's louder. He seems louder than God at the moment. And there's a number of people that deal with this situation you know, I've talked about Teilhard de Chardin before. Teilhard de Chardin followed in this line of theosophy where, you know, we're going to up our frequencies. If you heard that among New Agers, you know, we need to increase your frequency. Uh, uh, maybe another one says, I like to take ayahuasca so I can tap into the plant wisdom and reach uh, uh, cosmic energies and learn from the Akashic records all of the. The, what the archons bring to us. What the, that's Teilhard de Chardin. We're on a spiral towards the cosmically divine. No, we're not. We're nowhere near anything like that unless you're a Gnostic. And if you're a Gnostic, anathema sit. This sort of deformation of reason has attacked Father Sosa, who you recall. He He prefers to deal with this day tent with the devil, with this problem of the devil in the church by just, I guess he, he ascended into higher frequencies. He's become an ascended master in the new age. He's now just global light energy. And he proclaimed that Satan is a symbolic reality. He's done this a couple times now. He's got something in mind that he keeps bringing this up. You see, if the devil's not real, then you don't have to acknowledge there's a problem at the table in the church. Now, did your mind go, when I say the table in the church, did you think of it in the way the American church brings it up? I'm not talking about the the altar. I'm not talking about the Cramner table at you know a lot of the Novus Ordo or new parishes where they anoint our children's hands with motor oil to tell them to go clean the environment up. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about 
the table of conference, the the forum of the church, the 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 the, the intercourse and concourse of our hierarchy and prelates and everybody like that. The devil sits among them. And a number of them bargain with him and say, you have to get out. And they keep doing things to try to push us out. That's the detent with the devil. The attempt to grind us in the millstone of error and progressivism. How that cardinal put it? A certain way of praying, a way of dressing must change. Well, and if you think into the two standards and you say, I can't change to do that because I won't follow the standard of the devil. I will stay under the standard of Christ who does not change his mind, who is eternal, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And under the ages of ages. The only way you can do that is what Father Sosa did. Well, let's make the devil not real. Well, then there's only one standard, the human standard. That brings me to another point. Big waves a month and so ago. I don't understand why. Pew Research comes out, finds out, Even fewer people believe in the real presence now than did before. Shocker. Who was shocked by that? Nobody listening to this podcast ought to be shocked. If you just go into an American parish and you see the busybodies prancing around in their high heels up into the sanctuary looking important during Mass... And coming down with their jangly jewelry and and passing out our Lord like Ritz crackers. Just watch the thing. Well, I know a number of people do. I know I'm not the only one that will strategically try to figure out where the priest is going to be. If you're in a situation where you have to go to a place like that in order to meet your obligations or to go to mass, it's not more than once. On several occasions, I've had that happen to me. You try to figure out where the priest is going to be, right? You're like, well, I'm going to get in that line. And then in some of the, you know, like if you're at a cathedral, like you say you're there for some important thing or something like that. And then, you know, they throw the blockers up. Like if you're sitting in the back, they try to put the Eucharist, uh, extraordinary ministers in the middle of the church so that you can't get to the front. You always have to be careful if there's that aisle that goes through the middle of the church because then they'll throw up the they'll throw up the blockers in the middle and it's like, "Eh, I still have to get up there. And if they have ushers around, it's a mess. I know you've dealt with this before. Some people may not because they only go to Latin mass. I know many people in my life that have done that, but if you go to a wedding or you get into some situations, you may not have been able to avoid it. And you know what I'm talking about. You just watch the general demeanor of people in these parishes they're there for them. They're there for popularity. They're there because it's, you know, that's the place they're supposed to be. This is my church. They're not there because that's the real presence of our Lord. They're not there because the holy sacrifice of the mass is the ordinary means of delivering extraordinary miracles. They're not there to obtain supernatural grace that their baptized soul is now able to hold thanks to God. Thanks to the plan of our Lord in making the church. The biggest shame we have going on is that church is no longer telling people, 
You are a new creation. You were reborn in baptism such that this broken soul of yours can now hold supernatural grace. Sosa, Father Sosa, the Father General of the Jesuits, is by saying that the devil is symbolic reality, he's betraying or belying a, 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 an error where people believe that sanctity comes from reforming human action. Now, sanctity, we reform human action that we might merit grace, which then makes us sanctified. Subtle difference. What's, the, what's at the bottom of this? We can't sanctify ourselves. That's at the bottom of it. But the new age and those within the church, you know, if you treat the environment right or you do these things, you're going to continually improve and get closer to that cosmic divinity. No, no, it doesn't work like that. You know that from listening. Our Lord makes us holy. Our Lord sends us Holy Spirit and supernatural grace. And through the intercession of the Blessed Mother, who I'm convinced from Colby and De Montfort, Father Harden and others, every person that comes to a maturity in their faith gets there from the help of the blessed mother period end of sentence full stop just you know there's no argument there she's always at the middle of story of people's stories who have i'm going to use the new age term ascended in their faith in the true faith in the catholic faith If you don't want to do that anymore, if you want to make deals with the devil, what do you do? You start talking to people and saying, we're going to have to change the way we pray and the way we dress. Let's talk about that for a minute. We'll get to that in a moment. I want to bring up something I really like. Michael Matt of the Remnant has actually gone, gotten in a plane, flown over to Akita, Japan. There's a video you may not have seen. I'll put a link in the show notes. I'm going to put a bunch of stuff in the show notes. I really will. <laughs> it might not be there when the show shows up today, but in the next couple of days, uh, I will put all of the screenshots and things because I think you're not going to believe some of this stuff. I love it, though. He goes over to Akita, and he says, this is the third secret of Fatima. Amen. Full stop. End of sentence. Period. It's there. No matter what you think happened, and in it to the third secret there's all kinds of theories about it it doesn't matter by 1973 our blessed mother said this isn't happening the way i asked so i'm gonna take care of it myself she did she shows up to a buddhist convert sister sasagawa in akita japan what i love is she delivers a message there's so much more going on Just like with Fatima, when I bring up Fatima, you think third secret. Some people will also think about the three children and Sister Lucia and all of these things. But they tend to forget about the angel that appeared at Fatima. Akita has a similar kind of thing going on. There's the message of Our Lady, but then there's this other stuff happening on the side. The same way with Fatima. Do you remember that before Our Lady appeared in Fatima, there were visits from the angel of Portugal? And I mean, one of them might have been St. Michael. I might, as I'm talking about it, I don't want to get into the notes, but we know that he identified himself as the angel of Portugal. And what did he do? He brought, during his third visit, he he teaches them a prayer, my Lord and my God, I firmly believe. So he's giving them catechism on the blessed sacrament. 
Then he comes and he's holding communion. And the children said that the, that the host dripped with the sacred blood into a chalice. So it's not only Holy Communion, it's been intinctured. It's going to become important in something I'm going to say in a minute. The angel comes and adores the Blessed Sacrament with the children. Then he goes back to the chalice and gives, proceeds to give the children First Communion. Blows my mind. God can take care of people. Anyway, here's an angel coming because of, for whatever reason, they needed Holy Communion when they did, I think, in order to prepare them for the visit they were going to get for the Blessed Mother. They needed the supernatural grace. We need the supernatural grace. That's why we go to communion, too. Not all of us get angels that, I, I say not all of us, maybe there are people there. I've never had an angel give me Holy Communion. Uh, but the children at Fatima did. And not only was it Holy Communion, it was intinctured. Now, what, what, what's important about that? You can't receive intinctured communion in the hand, can you? I bet you never thought about Fatima that way. So what happens at Akita? Our Lady comes, and you know some of the thing. The devil will enter the church, and it will become terrible, such that we'll have bishop against bishop, cardinal against cardinal, priest against priest. In the end, men are sinning so much that if they don't repent and turn back to God and pray, fire will come from heaven. It'll be so terrible that the living will envy the dead. That's the message in a nutshell. There were a lot of other messages for Sister Sasagawa, but also what happened at this time is Sister Sasagawa goes to receive communion. She couldn't receive it on her hand because she had a wound on her left hand where the host would have come. The statue gets a similar wound, proportionally the same as Sister Sasagawa's on the right hand. So the two hands put together, the wounds would match. This is the way I understand it. She confirms. She could not receive communion hand that day. She had to take it on the tongue. She confirms later that, yeah, I'm not supposed. To, we're not supposed to get communion on the on the on the hand. This was a change that had just been made. It was 1973. The Japanese bishops had just made the change recently. The Dutch bishops, let's remember, immediately with Vatican II, Dutch bishops start telling the priests, start putting uh, communion in people's hands. They hadn't even gotten approval. They hadn't done anything yet. The United States bishops it took uh, Bernadine as head of the NCCB. Uh, we can get way into the fraud of all communion in hand stuff. It, 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 needless to say, Fraudulent vote in the U.S. They crammed it to the Pope. It really wasn't. It's never meant to be the norm. It was supposed to be an extraordinary thing, but we know how that works. The devil demands it become ordinary. That's where we are today. But the message, both of Akita and Fatima, if you're paying attention, deal with communion in the hand, that it's not a good thing. So back to Michael Matt, this is a beautiful thing goes to Akita, sees that you'll see earlier reporting that I've given where the Japanese bishops in Tokyo have taken kneelers out of churches because they, they want to be a people that stand, I guess, for mass or, you know, I don't know. It's, take whatever baloney here in an American parish and it's over there now. <clears throat> We're a, a resurrected people or, no, in the Roman church you kneel during consecration. 
the Eastern Church, they stand on Sunday and then they're flat on the ground the rest of the week during the consecration. You never hear that from American liturgists, though. You never hear that from European liturgists. Well, we're just going to stand. Oh, that's what they do in Europe. No, no, no. Yeah, it happens today, but it ought not be that way, should it? If at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, what are we supposed to do when he's there present? But like Cardinal De Aviz says, certain ways of praying, certain ways of dressing must change. So I loved it that Michael Matt went over there and, 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 and inspired, it seemed to inspire him to come up with this movement he called Unite the Clans. I thought, this is, this is good stuff. I agree. There's so many bad things going on in the church. We need to stop fighting with each other. And I've picked on the remnant before in the past. And the remnant is, I think Michael Matt's done a good job. And I think he, he continues to do a good job. But I, I, I was a little disappointed. I think he missed the mark. A week or so later, he comes out with a hashtag, to hell with Vatican II. This is why I think he misses the mark. With that hashtag. If we're going to unite the clans, let's do it around what the Blessed Mother says. Now I'm going to go kind of fast. I'm going to wrap up all these threads from earlier. I mentioned the 1950s. In the 1950s, we had three, I think, Satan, satanic uh, psychologists pretty much incite a revolution among American nuns. Carl Rogers was one of them. Maslow was another. Maslow invented, said on his own, if people knew what I was doing to the church, they'd take me out and lynch me. Period. Full stop. You get that? If people knew what I was doing to the church, they'd take me out back and lynch me. We should have. And then, well, this was when the Latin Mass was good. as before Vatican II. It's everything that happened before then. Carl Rogers with the Immaculate Heart of Mary with the IHM nuns in California begins what he calls encounter groups. I don't want to enumerate everything here, but it gets into uh, some sort of pseudo charismatic uh, kind of Toronto blessing. And in my opinion, satanic crap. Uh, I could use the vernacular. I'm going to refrain from doing it. So I don't have to mark this explicit, but At the end of the day, what happened? You had nuns shedding. So they have an encounter. Now, encounter with what? I think history will show that Rogers wasn't following the standard of Christ. I think maybe they were encountering the same entity, the same devil that's in in the uh, at the table in the church. Why do I say that? They started shedding changing the way they pray and what they wear to quote cardinal davies you see it just for instance go look at the uh the leaderboard of the uh of the uh oh it's all acronyms i get irritated from all the acronyms it's lc yeah lcwr's league of communist women religious no that's not it something like that the LCWR, you know, the nuns that own all the hospitals, the billions of assets, billions and billions and billions of assets with the healthcare systems in the United States. There's not a single one wearing a habit. 
not even the like loosened up kind of half habit that some were wearing for a while when I was a kid. No. And, um, let me be polite as I can with this. There's some rather, uh, uh, rough looking individuals in those pictures. If you catch my drift, you know, like two men making a baby. Um, that happened in the fifties. That wasn't Vatican two. Now at the Catholic identity conference a while back, I'll have to put a link to this video. A priest is doing a brilliant job talking about how the priest has been isolated and the things that protect the priest and support his priesthood have been stripped away. And he's talking about changes in relation to the bishop versus the priests and certain aspects of authority being moved to the bishop as it relates to the priest. I thought the one thing I could add to that is all of the consecrated nuns that I know who still wear their habit very regularly pray for priests. And I don't need to recount that the the fall of consecrated religious women, the fall of life of real nuns living in convents, living in cloisters, praying for us, supporting us with their prayers and sacrifices and, and, and the, 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 their quest for the seven story, you know, the quest for the ladder of God, Jacob's ladder, and making it to high heights of holiness. Where is it? Vatican II did not get rid of that. The errors we're dealing with, the errors of dealing with the devil at the table is not Vatican II. I think Michael Matt should have rallied us the clans, around what the Blessed Mother identified, both at Fatima and Akita. The battle line that our triumphant leader, the great general of the heavenly army, the queen of the heavenly army, identified for us is communion in the hand. Father Hardin said, God will bless whatever efforts you can take to end communion in the hand. I think the right hashtag should be to hell with communion in the hand. I think everybody in the clans can unite around that immediately. Why? Because it doesn't have to do with human preference. We all know it's wrong. We all know. And then when you add to it that it, the Blessed Mother, our leader, we ought to be consecrated to her, our common our common uh, mother, uh, our standard around which we can all fly the flag, every clan that, that Michael Matt wants to unite will happily fly the banner of the Blessed Mother, won't they? And what does she tell us the problem is? At Fatima, even tinctured host, at Akita, points it out, point blank. Communion hand is wrong, Period. End of sentence, full stop. I think we need to unite the clans that way. Now, I said I was going to run through this really quick and tie all this together. One of the things I brought up earlier was this Pew research in loss of belief in the Blessed Sacrament. What do you see in the pictures where people are talking about? I'm looking at a picture from National Catholic Reporter. Polls can't capture our understanding of the Eucharist. And what's the picture? Some woman holding up a host with her red uh, uh, fingernails. And it's a, one of those, I don't know, 
crappy Bauhaus looking sixties kind of primitive, uh, uh, patterns. And there's somebody you don't see if it's a man or a woman putting their hands out. Oh, actually I can see fingernail polish. It's a woman. And she's got her hands out to get, to get, uh, uh, communion. Bishop Robert Barron tweets, it's, it's hard to describe how angry I feel after reading what the latest Pew Research study reveals about understanding of the Eucharist among Catholics. This should be a wake-up call to all of us in the church. Hello? If you would have been reading the Bellarmine Forum, if you would have listened to Father Harden in the 80s, this is not new news, people. It's been a long time coming. When a bishop, when I was a kid in grade school, said it is a symbol of community, they've been undermining the belief in the real presence for a long time. I love the USCCB. You know the USCCB? I'm going to do a piece on the USCCB in the near future. But just to let you know, the NCCB, the forerunner of the USCCB, is a lobbying group. And that was one of the problems the Pope had with it. But the USCCB's response was to put a poll on Twitter as to what could we do to bring people back to belief in the Blessed Sacrament? Gee, um, maybe stop talking about immigration and migrants and telling people to stop using straws. Maybe actually come out and like, you know, teach some systematic theology. Oh, wait. Cardinal D.A.V. said that we need to change the way we pray in some ways of dress. Well, look how well that's working. Catholic News Service comes out with a tweet and they're saying, watch our words, behold each other, remember our worthiness. I don't even know what those words mean. Have you noticed something about the mealy mouth prelates in the U.S.? They don't talk. They use lingo. And a lot of the lingo is remotely connected to things that might be Catholic, but it's meaningless jargon. Now, the next question from the Catholic News Service is believing in the real presence in the Eucharist as simple as this. Watch our words, behold each other, remember our worthiness. No, it has nothing to do with the real presence. The picture, by the way, shows a lady with a a fine linen uh, uh, shawl on, dangly jewelry, and uh, she's holding the Eucharist up high with her earrings and her uh, uh, stylized eyeglasses and stylized hair to somebody holding their hands out uh, to receive communion. Obviously, Latino's in the picture. Does it make any sense? Who? Who do you know that can have, that can deform human minds to such an extent that they can have the facts right in front of them and they don't know what it is? Isn't that the dulling of reason that occurs from mortal sin? Now, Father Harden said, those immortal sin were agents of the devil. It, it, it doesn't get much clearer until you start looking at the way they talk about our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. That's why our great general, the triumphant leader, the Blessed Mother, has identified this as the battle line for us. We need to unite the clans under her standard. All the errors of the modernists, they're surmounted. They're spending all of their time Pulling people away from the sacraments, pulling people away from the fact that in what looks to be bread is the real presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
And if you believe that's Jesus there, you're going to change. You're going to act differently. You're going to you're going to want to be with him, right? Suddenly you start to understand that preaching about plastic straws and getting oil slathered on your hand for the climate are meaningless gestures. They don't mean anything. They don't teach anything. They lead people to think that it's just a symbol of community, right? Starts to make you wonder how Father Sosa, Father General Sosa could think that the devil is a symbolic reality. Well, if our Lord is just a symbolic reality, a symbol of community in the Blessed Sacrament, if that's just a symbol, then all the rest of it has to be a symbol too, right? Just a matrix of thoughts holding us back from ascending to higher frequencies. There's two faiths at war in the church. And there's a devil sitting at the table that one of these faiths placates, makes deals with. We used to call it mammon. I think, you know, the Greeks had a word for some of this guy, uh, you know, the earth worship and, the, you know, it's some symbiosis between nature and man. They progress together. Starts to sound a lot like Teilhard de Chardin. Starts to sound a lot like Laudato Si. At the end of the day, though, those of us who know that's our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, those of us who know his Blessed Mother is the triumphant leader, she will lead people to her son. Those of us who know these things, those of us who look for nuns dressed in habits, who pray all the hours of the church, who pray for us, who pray for priests, who pray for the extent of the church, we look to continue those things, and they're the ones getting vocations. The nuns who have given up a certain way of prayer and given up a certain way of dress. Yeah, they own hospitals. They do a lot of social justice, but are they drawing in vocations? No. Are they drawing in much of anything? Maybe a lot of money. Maybe that's what some people are worried about. So my humble plea to Michael Matt, as let's 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 make the hashtag. Let's like yeah. Let's unite the clans. I love the idea, but let's unite it over to hell with communion in the hand, to hell with symbolic realities, to hell with encounter groups. All those things happened around Vatican II, but not from Vatican II because it happened before. Now, the Dutch bishops acted immediately with Vatican II, but they didn't suddenly come up with that idea because of Vatican II, right? That was in the, in the, in the, those ideas had been in the works before Vatican II. And Vatican II had nothing to do with communion in the hand. It was something that happened just like Carl Rogers and the encounter groups and the IH them nuns out in California. The devil has made this other faith right under our noses. And there's those in the church that are flirting with it to our exclusion. 
they tell us we have to change the way we pray, change the way we dress. But they've been telling us for years, you have to believe this symbolic reality. You have to believe this is just a symbol of community. They even change the language of the church into jargon so that it becomes meaningless fluff. And they call those of us who still insist on clear language, the clans, they call us rigid pseudo-schismatics because we won't get with the times. We won't come sit at the table with that devil that everybody else is admiring. Well, I got news for you. I think Phil Lawler's got it wrong. You know, I don't, I, I don't really fear the Pope that he's not afraid of a schism because um, I'm going to tell you how I think it's going to happen. The Greek Orthodox claim that the, the event that solidified the break of the Orthodox from Rome Let's throw away all the political reasons. Let's throw away the, 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 the fight between Byzantium or Constantinople and Rome. Just forget all about that. If you ask most people why the Orthodox schism happened, it was because, quote, the Pope slapped Photius. Who's Photius? Well, that was a guy, a guy that was the embodiment. He was the guy that stood for Byzantium. And, and, and that's how the myth works. When the Pope slapped him, that was the end. They, they, you know, I think that's what they're trying to set up today. And I think there's a lot of people that are going to be ripe for this prank. And I call it a prank because the father of lies sits at the table and he makes pranks as a way to make other things happen. You know, in the truth movement and stuff, they talk about false flags or they... Talk about uh, ops, psyops, and other stuff. You look at the landscape of the church right now, and there's a lot of prelates who are friendly to the clan that are set up for their Photius moment. Historians say that Photius may not have even existed. He may not have even been a real guy. But the way they want to push us out, they're going to create some guy who embodies all we want. You can think of several examples. Cardinal Renze, Cardinal Sarah, or Sarah, uh, Cardinal Burke, Bishop Schneider. Take your pick. They'll do something like slap him. Maybe take a hat away. Red hat, that is. Maybe do something like that. Whatever it is, it will be the moment that tempts people to the Orthodox. Get it? It'll be our Photius moment. Think that through. That's what's coming. That's how it's all set up. I don't know when. I don't know if it will. Maybe with please God that will avoid a moment like that. But if you can't see that in the landscape right now, you're not looking. Open your eyes up and kind of look at what's going on. And that's why people are bringing up schism whether or not they're afraid of schism. Um, they're planting the idea, but at the same time backing away from it. Get my drift? Think a little more like human drama, and you'll, you you see what, what's going on there. Please, God, please, Blessed Mother, pray for us that nothing like that goes on. Which brings me another idea, talking about the Orthodox uh, a couple weekends ago, posted on the Bellarmine Forum Facebook page, news that an icon in Holy Trinity Greek Orthodox Church uh, had begun, of the Blessed Mother, had begun to weep. 
haven't followed up on the story, but I think it's interesting. Right when all this stuff's going on, the number of icons in these churches and these Orthodox churches in the U.S. have been weeping, weeping myrrh, weeping tears, weeping other things. The statue at Akita of the Blessed Mother that got the wound on her right hand when Sister Sasagawa got on her left that prevented her from taking communion in the hand, that statue cried real human tears 101 times. It's a message. Blessed Mother's talking about it. She's trying to reach us. She's our, our leader. She's the one we need to unite around. She's the one who's standard. And I know Michael Matt didn't, I know he would agree with that. I, I, I have no doubt about it. He flew to Akita. I mean, come on. But I think when we project this idea, when if we're going to raise the color flag, if we're going to raise the standards, if we're going to stir the troops, let's not pick things that we think are going on. Let's not pick human standards. Let's pick the Blessed Mothers. And what did she identify? Rosary, prayer, penance, and apparently communion in the hand. That's one of the big problems today, isn't it? All these other things lead away from it. If you see that picture, I'll try to post the screenshot of the of the Twitter post that announced that these children had uh, had their hands anointed for climate work. You'll see they had them organized like they were coming up to communion. Um, Hmm. It's just a symbol of community, right? If it's just a symbolic reality, then all this stuff can just be changed in our minds. We can find new ways of praying and give up old ways of dress, and we could be less rigid about it. I mean, just listen to Father James Martin. God's obviously changed his mind about a lot of things. Do you agree with that? I don't think so. I think Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I thank him that he sent his blessed mother to us to give us both the battle lines we ought to we ought to be paying attention to and our way out of this mess. I'm all for uniting the clans. Let's do it the way the blessed mother asked us to. Let's do it the way she showed us. She showed us this hill. The hill where we need to get to is over this communion in the hand. We should sound like, I mean, you know, you've got prelates today. I, you know, I brought up uh, Bishop Barron earlier. You all know, you know, he goes, he dances with this idea that hell might be empty someday. What? That, that plays right into, well, God's changed his mind on all this other stuff. I don't think he realizes it, you know, please God, I hope not. Um, but please help him realize that, you know, that it's really not both not dogmatic. It's not what our Lord said. And no, it's nothing we hope for. Yeah, we hope that all men be saved. But that means before they're dead, right? Or that means that uh, they, they, they reform themselves. I mean, the state you're in at death, uh, that's it. You can go to purgatory. But uh, we're heading into the time of the year. We've got next weekend, we've got the Gar- Feast of the Guardian Angels, Month of the Rosary, it's time to start talking about the four last things, right? Death, judgment, heaven, and hell. And purgatory is one of those, you know, you, you can't get second chances. You just have to get it in before you die. That's why in those old ways of praying that Cardinal Delviz asked us to give up, nuns used to pray for people that they have a happy death or that they have final perseverance or these be indulgence prayers. 
Only rigid people would know about this today because the jargon of the day, we don't talk about stuff like this. These be indulgence prayers, asking, begging God for the grace to persevere through death. Final perseverance. Why? Because we know the devil will come to tempt us. Everybody knows that. He, he, it's his parting shot. That's why hopefully I think most people that listen, unless you stumbled into this podcast, if you've come here because you know the podcast, you probably wear a brown scapular already. Praise God. What a great sacramental. What a great promise that comes with it. The grace is to persevere through those last moments. When I listen to the jargon and the surprise and the shock, the USCCB's solution to this was um, you could buy a pamphlet on the real presence. Oh, I wish maybe they would sell the pamphlets on climate change and offer all of the dogmas of the church and the teaching that they should be teaching for free. Maybe we'd start getting somewhere. Maybe instead of taking all of the migrant money in, if they just kind of gave up the idea of money and just used the taxes and collections they had to teach people about the real presence. Instead of being worried about a demographic shift, if they would, like I said, in Day Tent with the Devil, go after the sheep they've already pushed out of the church. Do you get it? The clans are the holdouts. You're a holdout in the church. Most of those people you've known through the years that no longer are Catholic, that go to the non-denominational feel-good church, or they're divorced and remarried three or four times, um, they already got pushed out. They got pushed out through a lack of catechesis and a bunch of jargon. Since they've made it getting rid of most of those people, they're now wanting to get rid of us. That's the photius moment that's coming. We do need to reunite. We need to attack where the Blessed Mother said to attack. We need to attack communion in the hand. I'll put a link into Akita and the battle line is of communion in hand because it ties together with these ideas. Like I mentioned, Father Ratliff earlier, or this Father Rosica or others that tie this idea. I'm going to leave you with this thought. When Eve was tempted by the serpent, what did she do? She, God said, don't eat of that tree because it's the fruit is that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What does that mean? Not that they would come to know what's good and evil. What did the devil say? You will become like gods. What does God do? God tells us what's what's good and evil, right? Well, if we make ourselves gods, then we say what's good or evil, right? So somebody who's eating apples with the devil is going to tell you what's wrong or right. That's how God could change his mind is if he's just a symbolic reality and we determine what's wrong or right. That's the illusory religion. That's what these people sitting at the table with the devil. When I say it that way and you go back through this episode, you'll see over and over again. That's what we're dealing with and they want us out. Don't leave. I agree with Michael Matt. Unite the clans. Let's do it the way the Blessed Mother said. Let's go out with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We'll give thee thanks, O Lord, for the great and valuable insights you give us. 
Please bring us the graces to do the things that your mother would ask us to do these days, to teach the truth, to teach the truth of the church, to teach the truth about your real presence in the Blessed Sacrament, that people might know the great mercy you exercise in being with us and wanting to be with us and loving every man so much you would want him to repent in this life that you you could give him the graces to reform his life and earn a place in eternal life with you. The destiny all of all men. And please, Lord, for everybody that's listening, uh, Blessed Mother, give each of us the grace to finally persevere, to merit a place in heaven. Bring us to be there in eternal life with your Son and angels and saints. St. Pius X, pray for us. Mary, our Queen and our Mother, pray for us. That's it. You survived. You have been listening to the Bellarmine Forum Podcast, Episode 15, with your host, John B. Manos. Production of this episode was underwritten by an anonymous donor that asks you to say your rosary daily. If you would like to underwrite production of the podcast, contact the forum using the contact form on the website, bellarmineforum.org, or call us. Phone number is on the website in the footer. This podcast is a production of the Bellarmine Forum, formerly known as the Wanderer Forum Foundation. Founded in 1965 on the heels of Vatican II, that's before communion in the hand, uh, as a faithful enclave of the Catholic faithful without, with, without all the progressive modernist confusion, a lot of which we talked about today. Our producer sits at the right hand of the Father and he'll come again in glory to judge living and the dead. Our executive director made all things visible and invisible. Our technical director is an unnamed angel assigned to us by the producer per show. The Bellarmine Forum is a nonprofit public charity, and all donations are tax-deductible to the maximum extent permitted by law. This show is copyrighted by the Bellarmine Forum 2019 to the greater glory of God and the honor of the Blessed Mother. Amen.